part, part of what's hard I've found is, is just kind of the trite responses, just kind of the cliche, you know, it'll happen when it'll happen. I've got basically dead testicles. I don't know. I think it's kind of unfair, but it's not, there's nothing you can do about it. My wife is the one who has all of the treatments. I have the problem, but she's the one who has to take all the meds and give herself all the shots and, and do all this stuff time and time again. She's taking all these hormone medications. And that's something that I think a lot of guys need to be able to discuss is when it's male infertility, the fact that your wife is still having to do all this stuff and you're the culprit. And so there's a bit of guilt associated with that. So welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast. It's mid-April 2016, and I'm giving you the date just because there's been some interesting articles in the UK press, in The Guardian in particular, and I'm going to put the link on the show notes to this episode about male infertility, and it's something that I'm really keen to get talked about on this podcast. We've talked about it in season one and two, and again, I'll put all the links of those episodes for you. And I had a tweet the other day from a gentleman whose Twitter handle is at maninfertile. And as you know, I like to get stories from tweets, Phil. And I'm now going to welcome at maninfertile, whose Twitter profile says, I'm not a dad, but I'd like to be. It's hard to speak about infertility as a man. And that, in a nutshell, is what we're going to do right now. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. The rest of your Twitter profile, I'm going to let you explain. We're talking over three years you've been on a fertility journey so far, five IUIs, and just explain to me the impending procedure that you're going to have. Will you say it again? The varicocelectomy. Now, this is something similar to varicose veins that I, I just Googled, but yeah. just explain to me what it means. Well, a varicocele is varicose veins in the scrotum, and it affects... Uh, surprisingly, up to 10% of men in some way or another, but a small percentage of those who actually have varicoceles have fertility issues. And they don't understand why varicoceles will hinder fertility in some men and not in others. They think it has to do with the regulation of blood flow to the testes and then the quality of the sperm. Um, and so the varicocelectomy is, is very similar to a hernia surgery. It's an outpatient surgery where they will cut the, the varicose veins. There's a couple different ways that they can do it. Um, they'll cut those veins and stop the blood flow and reroute um, through other veins to increase the blood flow to the testes. And in most patients, they have um, 100% uh, improvement on sperm quality, on sperm motility, um, and, and on general numbers. Um, it, they're not sure that it affects morphology much, uh, but 100% is a really good number to have. But if you have an incredibly low count to begin with, then it doubles that count, which can still be incredibly subpar compared to the majority of the population. Uh, okay, so it's it's a it's an option that was given to you or was recommended to you? Um, it was recommended. Okay. So they, they said, you know, you can do the surgery right away when we when I was diagnosed. They said, or you can pursue IUIs, and if that doesn't take, then you can try the surgery and do IUIs again. So we did five IUIs over six months, and none of those were effective, and so we're going to go ahead and go with the surgery. And as far as without being too graphic, but inevitably we're going to have to be, the state of your, your sperm, you've been told that the count is low? Yes. Is that 
Okay, so this is a potentially going to improve the count and the motility and the morphology, because I know on your tweets you're questioning you were questioning whether there was anybody who knew if there was any effect on the morphology. This is actually the kind of the shape of, of, of the sperm ultimately. And has anybody said anything to you about that, whether it will improve that? You don't know. Well, I've, I've talked to my urologist and he said that there's no direct evidence that will it, that it will increase the morphology. But he did say when you increase the other two, the count and the motility, that the morphology tends to increase um, so it will have a, a net positive on the morphology, but they, they can't show a direct correlation, if that makes sense. It's just kind of a net improvement overall. Okay. So there's a lot of factors to be considered in, and we've jumped right into the kind of science bit of your journey. And I, I, I want to go back a, a few steps because I mentioned at the start of the podcast about this article in, in the Guardian in the UK that came out today. And research is suggesting that men over the age of 35 are about half as fertile as men under the age of 25. Now, do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 29. Okay, so there's quite a lot of perception, and I'm sure it's the same in, in the US, that infertility often is as a result of the women being over 35, leaving it too late, and what seems to be happening more and more, especially in the UK, the male factor is 50% of infertility cases. Do you know what the stats are in the US? Same. They're the same. So as far as where you're at in your fertility journey, before you'd found out about this issue, had you to that point been told it was unexplained infertility or were you told that it was your count? Well, for a while it was unexplained. I kind of had an inkling because when we started researching the causes of infertility for men and women on our own, I was doing research and I came across varicose seals and I was like, I wonder if that's what it is. I mean... There's no way of knowing because it, it's, it only affects an incredibly small portion. So there's no way of knowing until we go to the doctor, until we do whatever. So we had been trying and both got checked out. I went to a general physician and just to kind of get a physical. And I, and I mentioned that to him and he said, no, you don't have varicoceles. He, he, was, he checked it out and he said, no, I'd be, I'd be incredibly surprised if you did. You know, I played sports in high school and have had physicals my whole life and have never had a doctor mention that. And without being too graphic, is it is it something that you thought you could see or you could feel any discomfort? There's slight discomfort, but it's not anything noticeable. I mean, it might be like after you exercise, there's it's 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 kind of this dull pain. So it's not it's not anything noticeable. It's not anything that you really put much thought into. But I mean, you can feel it. So that was something you were aware of. Yeah. But I mean, I, it, there's just a general stigma that you don't address that or talk about it. You just kind of assume that everything's fine. And so it, it took me going to a urologist to, to, to learn that that was the case. They said three to six months uh, before there's a real chance of us getting pregnant again. Well, one thing that I think is really important to stress when you're on a fertility journey, as you'll know already, because I know your Twitter handle says three years, is you become very patient and you realise that each step is exactly that and you just have to go through this process. And what I'm keen to know is how you're dealing with it as a couple. Created this Twitter profile quite recently from, yeah. from what I can see from your tweets. Yeah. So you've obviously chosen to, to go online. You said you've done research. Have you found then that Twitter in particular or other social networks have been of help? Yeah, um, I give my wife a hard time and I say she needs to do the same because it's been shocking how um, encouraging and just kind of uplifting the community on Twitter has been about infertility. It's a place where people who have had similar experiences 
even if it's not the exact same one, they can empathize, which is sometimes hard to find in general. With you being anonymous on online, I'm presuming that you and your wife have chosen to keep this under wraps in your personal life. Have you have you talked to anybody about what you're going through? Oh, yeah. I mean, our families know. Our closest friends know. We've just not gone super public. I have a I have a very public job. I'm a I'm a pastor. And so we don't know that we want in our very public life all this out there. My wife and I have talked about this quite a bit. And just in terms of our relationship, we feel like this could have really torn us apart. I think there's real potential for hurt or blame in this in a, within a relationship that just out of that sheer frustration and that and that hurt that it can drive a wedge, but we've been really, really intentional about kind of when one person is struggling, being able to lean on the other. So there are times when, when she's really hit, she's really hit it hard. And so I know that I've got to step it up, but then there are other times when I, you know, when I feel absolutely awful about the whole thing and she's there to support. It's a very interesting dichotomy, um, being a pastor because every week I'm preaching and right now, this is uh, this is really I don't know it's it, it's interesting to wrestle with this in the church calendar we've just celebrated Easter which we believe is the resurrection of Jesus the resurrection of the dead this new life coming out of death and there have been so many times that my wife and I have prayed and wrestled with okay like <laughs> we believe that can happen but why the heck isn't it happening like we believe it has but we're not experiencing it I've got basically dead testicles. Yet, you know, we're, we're kind of praying for the miraculous. And we trust that science is doing incredible, miraculous things. And that's really where we're going. But it's just hard to teach that and then to feel in your own life, like, what the heck? Which is an interesting and precarious balance. Well, I can imagine that the questions can be pretty dark when you're literally asking, why, why us? When you, I would have thought, feel like you're doing everything right. Right, right. In the way that you're living your lives. Absolutely. What's the chat like with your male friends when it comes to family? Is there any talk amongst the men about problems? Oh, not unless I bring it up. And and I have brought it up with, with my closest guy friends. And they've been very supportive. I mean, I can tell they don't want to kind of intrude. They don't want to prod, you know. But they're there, which is good. Part, part of what's hard I've found is, is just kind of the trite responses, just kind of the cliche, you know, it'll happen when it'll happen. And that is just kind of like, I appreciate the sentiment, but but I just want someone who's going to sit with me, not try to fix our problem. So that, that's that been tough. Or, I mean, there have been times when I talk to my guy friends and kind of the first thing they'll say is, well, have you guys thought about adoption? And, and that's just kind of like, I mean, sure, we have, but man, like we... We desire to have a biological child, so again, I appreciate you trying to fix our problem, but that's not, I mean, that doesn't, the joy of adopting a child is not going to take away from the pain of not being able to bear your own. I, I think people in that situation don't necessarily know what to say, and they, right. they almost bring out these stock, these stock answers. Right. So with the procedure that you're going to have, you know, the next obvious route is fertility treatment. And I'm assuming that you're aware of ICSI uh, as a different treatment to IVF. Have you been Have you been told about ICSI? Have you no. researched about it? No, we've not. Okay, we've not really pursued the IVF route yet. Okay, we've had one conversation with our fertility doctor about that because we've really been focusing on IUIs. 
So ICSI is quite a breakthrough aspect of fertility treatment in that when it is a male factor, whilst IVF allows the sperm and the the egg to be put in a little dish and they come together what ICSI does is the sperm is actually injected into the egg um, and it's often used when it is a male factor so when there is poor motility or or mobility and it's a, a very successful method so it's one that and I'm not an expert. I'm talking yeah. about the the experience that that I've I've had and and the kind of conversations that mm-hmm. I've had with numerous clinics. I've just currently actually been visiting a whole host of clinics around the UK and the Bourne Hall group, which is in the UK. I don't know if you're familiar. They made the first baby in the UK. They talk about how ICSI is one of the big breakthroughs. Obviously, uh, fertility treatment is is always trying to improve, but there's only so much it can do. And that was one of the big breakthroughs when they moved from IVF to ICSI as another option. So it's quite interesting, you know, in your whole exploration of your options to to maybe have a look at that to ensure that you know that that is a, available as a as another option i just wonder whether you need to be looking at all this other treatment when if it is your yeah. sperm that is that that is the obvious from my unexpert um opinion you know that's the well, obvious well, that, i mean that's group. absolutely the that's absolutely the issue maybe investigate that and ask yeah. ask a few more questions yeah because i think when you're on this journey and you're desperate for knowledge and you ask Google everything and you go in for, I don't know if you're going in forums, but one thing that I've tried to do with this podcast is make the information quite easy to consume. And um, I know that you uh, shared an article that Professor Alan Pacey had written on your Twitter feed. And there's actually a couple of episodes where I've chatted with Alan about his research and his views on what affects male fertility in season one it's episode seven you can have a listen there's a lot for guys to find out yeah rather than feel that nobody's talking about it and and hopefully people like yourselves and the other people that you might have met on twitter are doing just that by making it less terrifying and less embarrassing and it's not shameful and like that stat i said to you it's 50 percent of the cases probably worldwide and fertility, sorry, infertility is affecting one in six couples, I think, worldwide now. So yeah. hopefully the more we can talk about it, the more people like yourselves can just have that little bit of light relief through all of this. Well, that's, you know, that's partly why I started the Twitter handle um, for myself, but also um, because I know that there are probably, I mean, I know there are thousands of other guys going through the same thing. And every time we go to the fertility center, uh, that we go to, we're I'm, we're blown away by how many people there are that are our age in their 20s. I don't know. Normally, I think of fertility treatment centers as being filled with people who are trying to get pregnant in their 50s, um, but it's I mean it's filled with 20 somethings, and so I know it's a it's a huge issue. But part of it is it feels like there's been all this research on female infertility because I think women talked about it um, for a long time, uh, but there hasn't been it doesn't seem to me as much research on male infertility, maybe because we're unwilling to discuss it. Well, I do think that there is a kind of shift in the tide. I think that there's more men. I mean, this article, again, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, There's a number of of men in their in their mid to late 20s 
talking about uh, just the investigations that they've done, that they've chosen to to freeze sperm, you know, more and more men becoming aware that there might be an issue and fertility in, in general. I mean, there's been a whole big movement in the UK anyway to get it taught, you know, in sex education classes so that youngsters understand right. that it, it's, it's not that easy to get pregnant. Whilst obviously teenage pregnancies are a massive issue worldwide, when you actually look at the available times of the month that it's possible, it's, am it's, it's amazing that people, it happens so often I by mistake. Yeah. So where are we at? We've got the procedure coming in a couple of weeks or are you, are you still deciding on that? No, we'll do the procedure in a few weeks. Um, we're, we're saving up for it uh, because, and this, is, this has been part of the issue, uh, fertility is not covered by our insurance. And so we pay for all of our fertility stuff out of pocket. So we're saving money to do the procedure, which is a little less than $1,000. Okay. And then you've potentially got the whole cost of whatever fertility treatment you're, you're probably going to look at. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll pay for the surgery, and then we'll probably pursue IUI again, um, which that's about a thousand dollars a month. Well, will you keep in touch with me, and let's keep in touch on Twitter. Absolutely. I'll, I'll put your details in the show notes, and good luck with it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's nice to have met you on Twitter. I always find it amazing who I meet, and I don't know how you found me, but we're now we're now in touch, and and I just I just hope that you know it all it all works out. So, as do we. All right. Well, good to chat, and we will speak again. Yes, thank you. All right, take care. So, a really interesting episode there. It really struck a chord with me because having met at Man and Fertile on Twitter, and obviously having that conversation as you just heard. From my experience of what we went through with fertility treatment and my work in the fertility world, I told him about something that he didn't know, and that is the crux of this podcast. If you've been listening, especially if you're a guy, and this has kind of highlighted an area that you didn't know about, or it's just made you feel that maybe you can talk a little bit more openly about it, then I'm, I'm delighted. And if, if you've got any feedback, if there's any comments that you want to share, just email natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. You can always tweet me at fertilitypoddy. If you want to find out any information about this episode that you've just heard, just go to thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash season four male infertility. That's the show notes. Got the details of the Guardian article and, and Man Infertile's Twitter handle. And also it will give you an opportunity if you want to listen to any of the other podcasts that I've referenced you can subscribe to my email list to make sure you don't miss any episodes because this podcast is for you so the more frequently you listen then hopefully you know I can continue to help you I'm actually doing a bumper week for the fertility podcast because on Friday I'm going to be sharing my chat with Jessica Hepburn about Fertility Fest which is happening in the UK at the end of May and in June so all the details of that to come from Jessica because on Monday so a week from today I'm launching my season with Access to Fertility you may have seen me tweet about this but I'm visiting a whole host of clinics around the UK working with Access Fertility to give you an insight of what it would be like for you to go to those clinics. So don't miss that, especially if you're looking to decide where it is you're going to be having treatment because I, I really feel as a resource this could be really useful for you. When I was looking at clinics, there was nothing like this available and um, I, I hope it helps. I'm not 
or saying it's going to make you decide. But if it just gives you a little bit more information, you get to hear from some of the leading clinicians. I get a real sense of, of what the clinic's like. So that's next Monday. Again, make sure you subscribe to not miss any of this. Just go to thefertilitypodcast.com and there's all buttons to subscribe, whether it's via iTunes or Stitcher. So until the next time, 